On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to this episode of the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. In today's episode, I'm joined by one of our hospice volunteers, Rick Wetzel, who shares his inspiring story of volunteerism. As you'll hear, Rick's personal experience with a friend, as well as his own multi-year spiritual journey, led to a unique way to support hospice families during some of the most difficult moments in life. He addresses the power of being present and how the lessons he's learned from simply sitting in silence impacts not only the patients he serves, but his own character and development as well. Let's listen in. Well, thank you, Rick, for uh, joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time to to chat. So you've been a volunteer with Hospice of the Piedmont for, I think, six years now. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, yes, I uh, started to volunteer uh, at Hospice of, of the Piedmont back in 2017. Um, uh, I'm just a little bit of background about me. I, I uh, just retired July 1st from working uh, 48 years for uh, a company uh, that manufactures residential, commercial, and industrial electric motors. And I covered three states. Um, I'm married to Mary Kelly Wetzel. Uh, this is our 37th year of being married. We've got two grown daughters, Caitlin, who lives in Fort Mill, South Carolina, um, and Emily, who lives in Los Angeles, California. Um, Caitlin just had our first grandson, Dylan, August 14th. So we're happy, ex- happy and excited about that. Nice. Congratulations. Here's a grandson that's going to get spoiled for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're, we're proud of that. Uh, and, um, our daughter, Emily is uh, Joe Walsh of the Eagles rock band's makeup artist. So we're very proud of her as well. Very nice. Mary Kelly and I are living vicariously through our younger daughter with all the star she meets <laughs> yeah so so six years ago you became a hospice volunteer uh, how did that come about what what brought you to hospice in the first place well um back in 2000 i used to play rugby in my younger days i played uh, rugby for the st louis bombers rugby club and i also when i moved here i played for greensboro rugby club which is now the triad rugby club um and one of my teammates who I played rugby with in St. Louis contracted leukemia back in 2008. And so I, I just decided on my own that I would, I would support him in his fight with leukemia. And so I decided to give him a call at least once a week to, to encourage him and pray with him and just uh, keep him on, on the fight. So we did that and, and it got to the point where if I missed a day or if I was late, he would jokingly say, you're late. And so I, I just knew that he was looking forward to those phone calls. And finally, uh, after two years, his second bone marrow transplant didn't take. And so he, he went home to uh, to uh, pass away. And I told Mary Kelly that I guess I'm going back to St. Louis for a, a funeral. And she said, well, why don't you go back before he passes? And I thought that was a great idea. And so I, I went and sat with him for a couple of days and uh we prayed and I encouraged him and, and just um, 
tried to give him God's comfort and love even even then before I was a volunteer. So I, uh, after he passed away, I, I wanted to honor him by continuing to do that because I felt like it was a call. So um, our, our church, my church, Jamestown United Methodist Church, took on Stephen Ministry, mm-hmm. uh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Ministry. It's, it's an interdenominational ministry headquartered in St. Louis. And um, uh, our church took it on. I took 50 hours of training. Um, and, it, and it's a caring ministry. It's it's one where we walk, walk alongside people who are passing away or grieving or have any drug or alcohol problems or, or just depressed. Um, we learned that we're not going to be uh, the, the person fixing it. We, we've got to walk alongside the person who's going through it. And uh, God will fix it. Um, one of the things that I learned is... People don't really remember so much what you say is that you were there, ministry of presence. So um, from there, a couple of my fellow Stephen ministers uh, had already been volunteers at hospice. And I, I asked them a lot of questions about hospice. And I, hospice, I didn't know much about it. And um, so I decided to go volunteer. I was just going to maybe answer the phone or um I'm good at greeting people when they walk in. I wanted to be a, maybe a, a greeter at the door. But one of my fa- my fellow Stephen ministers pointed a finger at me, Jane, Jane Penry. And she mm-hmm. said, you need to be a chaplain over there. I said, oh, okay, I'll look yeah. into that. So I took the volunteer training. And then I trained with uh, Craig Walker, uh, I, I guess, another five or six hours. For it. And I, I, I started as an auxiliary chaplain at Hospice of the Piedmont. And I I just came every first and third Sundays, made rounds over at Hospice Home. And then when there was a fifth Sunday, I, 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 I volunteered to take that one. Since then, um, Hospice of the Piedmont and Hospice of Randolph in Ashboro have merged. And it was a few months after the merger. And I I asked uh, Craig if there was any auxiliary chaplains over there, and, and he said, no, there wasn't. So I talked to Joey Miller over there, and he gladly said, yeah, please, come on over. So I started uh, being the auxiliary chaplain every second and fourth Sunday over there. And since then, I think that Joey's got more more auxiliary chaplains mm-hmm. doing the same yeah. thing going on in High Point. So um, one of the things I've learned, it's God is all over hospice. Ryan, um, it's 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 holy ground to me, and um, it's an honor for me to go go every Sunday. Well, thank you for being our uh, inaugural auxiliary chaplain in at our Ashboro campus, and I know you're a part of a team with other auxiliary chaplains serving both campuses and covering the weekends, so that our our paid chaplains aren't on twenty four seven seven days a week. So. We're really grateful for what you all do as auxiliary chaplains and what all of our volunteers do. Um, I imagine your work or your, um, you know, your volunteer time isn't just with patients and families. Do you spend some time with staff as well from time to time? Well, that's one of the things I I certainly learned. Um, You know, these these, the staff over at... um, in High Point at Hospice Home in High Point and also in Randolph, they're all angels and they don't realize it. Um, 
these people aren't working for the money. They're working because their hearts are in it and they want to offer God's comfort and love as well to these patients. So I'm, I'm sure to tell them that and encourage them in their hard work as much as I can. Um, but it is also a hard job. And sometimes it's, the staff needs ministering to as well. Hmm. And so I try to uh, pay attention to that and let them know that I'm there for them if they ever need a chaplain. And sometimes I need ministering too. I call Charlie Patrick all the time and just, you know, something's bothering me or whatever. I'll, I'll call him and he, he certainly helps me. Fair enough. Well, another reason why this is God's call, Ryan, is, is um, since I retired July 1st, um, I wanted to get better at being an auxiliary chaplain. And so um, I applied over at Wake Forest Baptist Hospital for clinical pastoral education. Um, clinical pastoral education is a year round, it's two semesters. Um, they prioritize people who, are, who need clinical pastoral education for ordination and also if their denomination, particular denomination requires it, they prioritize those people. But occasionally they'll let a lay person come in like me, like me who wants to get better at it. And they uh, admitted me as well. Got lucky and got in. So I've been doing that for, uh, this is our second semester. We'll go till the um, end of uh, April or 1st of May. And um, since then, I've uh, even felt the call of divinity school. So I even put my application in for Wake Forest School of Divinity. Wow. I, um, I'm on the wait list currently, but um, I'm still on the team and I, I hope to be admitted there at Wake Forest. That's very exciting. You know this, I'm sure your wife can attest to this, but these days of retirement, Rick, you're supposed to be slowing down, <laughs> not speeding back up and finding well, number two. That's that's the other thing. I I can't slow down, right? <laughs> but um, one of the things that I, it, I've been taught at uh, Wake Baptist is, uh, in a, I, I was trained in this in Stephen ministry as well, is is how important it is to listen. Hmm. Um, that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. It's hmm. a ministry of silence, I like to say. Um, learning to avoid platitudes. Um, sometimes saying saying nothing at all is the prudent thing to do. Just, just be there. And like I said earlier, uh, people don't remember what you said. They remember who was there with them through their hard yeah. times. Hi friends, it's your host, Ryan Biagini. I'd like to take a moment to encourage you to consider becoming a hospice volunteer. With just a few hours per week, volunteers make a tremendous impact in the lives of those our organization serves. For more information about how you can get involved with our organization, visit the volunteer page at www.hospiceofthepiedmont.org. And now let's get back to the conversation. The other thing that I really like about hospice and, and our volunteers are, are all getting trained on this is the support of caregivers. Um, being a caregiver is hard and uh, a hospice really provides a service to those caregivers by uh, letting uh, patients come in for respite, uh, give, give the caretaker a, a rest for about a week or so. And so those patients will, will come from their, their homes and spend a week at hospice to, to give the uh, caretaker some relief. And so um, we're, we're finding out that 
caretakers need hospice as well. And, and that's the other thing that I'm sure to tell all the families is that hospice is not only for your loved one, it's for, for the families as well. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, you know, they're so focused on their loved one, they just don't realize that. So they take advantage of that. Right. So when you're when you're at the hospice home high point or the Randolph hospice house and you're kind of making your rounds, you, you you know brought some support and comfort to our staff by being a listening ear and a presence to them. But you're in you're in rooms with with families. Some I'm sure are talkative and active and looking to speak, and others are um, quiet, whether by choice or uh, by inability to speak. Uh, could you share with me a story or two, a conversation that kind of stands out to you that has been meaningful or just impacted you in a in a mighty way? Yeah, I, one of the things that happens when when you answer a call call from God and it's using what you you decide to use what what He's given you to, to to do that call is is most of the time you get more out of it than you feel that you're ministering to to the patients. So. Um, Yes, I I have been touched by several families. Um, I've been asked uh, on two occasions to officiate funerals. I've done two funerals. <laughs> um, I uh, got got with a, a patient uh, who I connected with who has um, got Lou Gehrig's disease, um, ALS, and and uh, he he comes in. Uh, for respite from time to time to give his his wife, who's his caretaker, uh, a bit of rest. And uh, it, there's a perfect example of me getting more ministering to than me giving to him. It, we, he just has, has Christ in his heart and, and uh, full of the faith. And what a powerful um, witness he is with, with his uh, strong attitude and not worried about where he's going to end up after he passes and it just shines God's light. So I, whenever he comes in, I really enjoy seeing him. Hmm. Uh, and then there was another patient who I connected with. He and his wife are, are, are Christian singers, and they do Christian um, um, short documentaries that I connected with. And and uh, I, I was with him through uh, the, the whole process, through transition until he passed. And uh, it was an honor for me to be with those two. I connected with them. So uh, there's more stories, but um, like I said, God is all over hospice, and, and um, I don't believe in coincidence, coincidences, and, and mm-hmm. I just believe that he, he brings me to people that ministry is, is for both of us. Yeah, and I imagine after six years, if you didn't feel like you were being both purposeful and also in some ways, um, kind of minister to, to yourself, you wouldn't be still doing it, but you right. continue right. to show up week after week and now in two different locations and you've added the hospital. So um, clearly God is doing something in you and really yeah. benefiting um, others with your willingness to utilize both ears and listen, yes. bring comfort and support. <laughs> so I guess I may just start to answer that question myself, but after six years, what makes you keep doing this? And I assume with no end in sight, uh, what keeps bringing you back to this work that in a lot of, you know, a lot of circles, people would say, oh, hospice, that's that's hard to do, or how do you do that? 
What brings you? What brings you? You back? know, when I when I was a Stephen minister and, and started questioning uh, the the fellow Stephen ministers who were already here volunteering, I I asked a lot of questions because you know when a lot of people say it would be scary or intimidating or uncomfortable. Um, hospice present, provides palliative care, which is all about comfort. Um, these patients are are not suffering, uh, and that's what these doctors and nurses are all about here at hospice. Um, there, but there are other non-patient volunteer roles that people could do. Um, if, if they don't want to see patients, that's fine. They could answer phones or greet people as they come in or help in, uh, administratively or things like that. So um, again, I, I get more out of it of this than I, than I give. And, and like I said before, Ryan, I don't believe that's a coincidence. I think, I think God makes that happen. And, and uh, that's why I want to continue to do it. Hmm. Well, is there any parting words that you'd like to leave our listening audience with? Maybe maybe they're considering being a volunteer themselves, uh, but they've been on the fence about it or they're intimidated by the idea of hospice. What would you tell them? Well, one of the things that I've always done is is whenever I'm feeling down or just uh, want to help somebody. I just try to go find a place to volunteer, help some people. So hospice is a, is a perfect place for that. They need volunteers over here. You don't have to see patients, but if you'd like to see a patient, you can visit uh, patients at home. It's not necessarily hospice home. You can go to their house um, or you can uh, answer the phone here at hospice home or greet people as they come in. Um, just a, a caring uh, face when people come in um, is remembered by those people who are there with their loved ones and, and uh, just need somebody to offer them God's comfort. Sure. So if it's on your heart to become volunteer, either at hospice home at the Piedmont or hospice of Randolph, please at least come look at, look at it and maybe just get trained Um and if the timing's not right, you could you could do it later. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Rick. I appreciate your six years and counting with our organization and um, <clears throat> the fact that you want to do even a better job, that you went and got extra training that may or may not lead to another another career. Who knows? That's not in our hands, but I know that you will be proactive and I appreciate you. Um and all of the families and the patients that you have intersected and have been able to offer a, a, a calming presence and, and comfort to, and even our staff that you've um, been able to support. I'm just grateful uh, for what you and all of our volunteers um, bring to the table. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the E-Series. We're excited about our upcoming episodes that will highlight a variety of incredible guests both from our community as well as our organization. You won't want to miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll receive a notification as each episode publishes. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.